We have just celebrated Thanksgiving, a time to be thankful for everything we have. Thankful for God and His power and mercies. Thankful for others and their companionship. And thankful for the bountiful goodness that God and others have bestowed upon us. But we are told that our Thanksgiving celebrations are about to change. I wonder how. Let's find out. I am David Arla Gates, and welcome to Created to Reign, a production of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. The Cornwall Alliance is a ministry dedicated to helping fulfill the mandate God gave mankind in Genesis 1.28 to subdue and rule the earth in a way that enhances its fruitfulness, its beauty, and its safety for the glory of God and for the benefit of our neighbors. In the world of climate change, everything is related to it, and negatively so. There cannot be anything that isn't adversely affected, destroyed, defaced, or dismembered by the looming specter of climate change that is about to unleash its disaster upon us. And so it has to be with Thanksgiving. Now, just before Thanksgiving arrived, the papers were littered with articles on how future Thanksgivings will be destroyed by climate change. The implication, of course, is that while you are enjoying Thanksgiving dinner with family and friends, you must be ever mindful of your carbon footprint. Today, we will not be focused on how you went over the river and through the wood, because unless you were driving an electric vehicle, you are likely emitting way too much carbon dioxide. And stay away from your horse-drawn sleigh as you travel across the white and drifting snow, since in the era of global burning, snow will only be a distant memory. Nope. Today, we are focused on the Feast of Thanksgiving, for as we shall see, not just the mechanism of travel will be adversely affected, but so too will the food that we eat. Now let's start with the centerpiece, the turkey. As the Washington Post tells us, studies have shown, and don't they always, quote, that rising temperatures can stress birds, causing them to grow at a slower rate or even die, unquote. I have yet to see a video on YouTube where grandma opens the oven to check on a bird only to have the bird fly out of the stove and across the room. Yes, there is a correlation between the temperature of the stove and the fact that the bird is dead, and that is a good thing. But what they really mean is that getting the bird into your oven will be adversely affected by rising air temperatures because heat stresses birds, which reduces their size and their numbers but it's also their food that will be adversely affected. Climate change will guarantee lower yields of corn and grain, which in turn will affect the price and availability of feed. So your heat-stressed bird will cost you even more because it will cost the farmer more to feed them due to, yep, global warming. However, the reason why turkeys will become a thing of Thanksgiving's past are hurricanes. What? Yep. You heard me correctly. According to a poultry science professor at Mississippi State University, quote, intensifying hurricanes are already affecting turkey growers in the southeast, unquote. Now, I do not have a degree in agriculture, but I do know that domesticated turkeys cannot fly. 
So am I to conclude that during hurricane conditions, domesticated turkeys are simply blown away with the wind? Well, according to this poultry science professor, Hurricane Katrina caused many poultry farmers to abandon the coast in favor of higher ground. Suddenly, I have a mental picture of some farmer raising turkeys in the Louisiana swamp. So that's how the Louisiana alligators get so big. But the Washington Post articles goes on to state that Thanksgiving turkeys come primarily from eight states, and Louisiana isn't one of them. I'm guessing alligators have decimated that crop. The eight states are California, Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri, Arkansas, Indiana. Wait, I'm six states into an eight-state count, and none of these states ever see a hurricane or a tropical storm. What's going on here? The final two states are Virginia and North Carolina not states that I would say are ravaged by plagues of hurricanes. Well, what will we eat instead? According to the Washington Post, we could resort to eating lab-grown turkeys. Now, I thought we were supposed to be opposed to genetically modified foods. Or we could eat swine. Don't we do that traditionally on New Year's Day? But no, not domesticated swine Feral pigs. Apparently, and unlike their turkey counterparts, feral pigs are thriving under climate change. Now, remember the global boiling rule. If it's good, it will turn bad. If it's bad, it will get worse. Since we don't want feral pigs, climate change will cause them to overrun us. So shoot a feral pig today for your Thanksgiving dinner table. Oh, wait, but that would foster use of firearms and the left is definitely against that. Well, at least I didn't see a suggestion to eat insects to replace the turkey, and for that, I am definitely pleased. But I did see that the Washington Post's best suggestion was to cut out the middleman, or, or the middle bird, as it were, and just eat the feed. Yes, a plant-based turkey may just be in our Thanksgiving future. Apparently, though, the Washington Post hasn't heard our podcast on Beyond Meat. However, it is not just the bird that is under assault by rising air temperatures. Stuffing, rolls, pie crusts, and mashed potatoes are endangered sides because climate change is leading to drought and deluge, the twin evils that will affect the growth of wheat and potatoes, as well as everything else. Green beans and Brussels sprouts will similarly be affected. The Washington Post notes, quote, that at least one quarter of the world's wheat production will be lost to extreme weather, unquote. But it is not just quantity, but quality that global boiling will affect. The Post goes on to state that, quote, rising greenhouse gases are also projected to strip wheat of its nutritional value, diminishing minerals such as protein, iron, and zinc under high carbon dioxide conditions, unquote. Cranberries, too, are under assault as global boiling causes cranberry plants to bud earlier, making them more vulnerable to frost damage. But wait, wouldn't warmer conditions make late frosts less frequent? I know this isn't about the science. It's about political activism. 
my fault for injecting scientific logic into this discussion. But on the Thanksgiving table, there will be sides. We must have sides. So instead of the staples I just mentioned, prepare to feast on kelp salad, truffles, and jellyfish casserole. As the Washington Post notes, pumpkins are also susceptible to cold and frost, which can cause them to soften and rot before harvest. All right, wait. If they're susceptible to cold, wouldn't rising air temperatures lead to more and better pumpkins? Hey, but silly me, I'm only a scientist, so what do I know? And while you're at it, please pass the prickly pear pie with crickets in the crust. No pumpkin pie for us. And replace our wine with kerns of beer, since the domesticated wheatgrass will not be susceptible to evils of global boiling. Why? Well, that's another science question. As I said, this article isn't about science. But one addition did catch my eye, not because it is close to my home, but because I was once ridiculed on the pages of the magazine Jezebel. Yes, Jezebel, for suggesting it might actually survive ocean acidification. That new side is the blue crab. The director of the Chesapeake Biological Laboratory, Dr. Thomas Miller, stated unequivocally, quote, blue crab is likely to be the winner out of climate change, unquote. And his study shows that, quote, the winter survival rate for blue crabs in the Chesapeake Bay will increase by at least 20% under warming conditions, unquote. Wait, did Jane Lubchenco say in her U.S. House testimony in 2009 that ocean acidification, or as she so eloquently put it, osteoporosis of the sea, will cause all crustaceans to dissolve right before our eyes? She said, and I quote, who in the ocean is affected by this osteoporosis of the sea? Any plant or animal that has a shell or skeleton made of calcium carbonate. The hard parts of many familiar animals, such as oysters, clams, corals, lobsters, and crabs, are made of calcium carbonate. Unquote. Hmm. At a presentation at CPAC for the Heartland Institute, I mentioned that the blue crab was not endangered, to wit the magazine Jezebel attacked me for making such a ridiculous claim. I remember that when I read the article, I simply threw the magazine from my upstairs window. It was subsequently trampled by a horse, and then a pack of wild dogs tore it to shreds. Attacked by Jezebel. Now, I know how the prophet Elijah must have felt. In conclusion, I can hardly wait for next Thanksgiving. I am ready for the plant-stuffed feral pig with large helpings of kelp salad and a jellyfish casserole, finished off with a large piece of grandma's prickly pear and cricket pie. I'm getting hungry already. Yep, I never knew the Washington Post was so good at comedy. Thank you for listening to Created to Rain. Until next time, I am David Arley Gates, and may God richly bless you.